Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Capsule Production Podcast. Today I'll be your host, Jovan Lazo, and I'm here with my good buddy, Sean Harris. How are you today, Sean? I'm doing great. Not as good as you because you are off and you are done with rotations. <laughs> That's <laughs> true. Here, you know, here today. That's true. Um, it feels great. It feels great. Uh, and Sean kind of just led us into what this episode will be about. Basically, we're going to do the last rotation recap. So... Rotation seven, which I previously did, which was at public specialty. And Sean, you were at where? I was at Orlando Health's um, Health Central location when it was an infectious disease. And then you're currently on your last rotation, which is? Um, Ambulatory care at Advent Health East Orlando. All right. So Advent Health East, Amcare, and I am on break and it feels amazing. Um, (laughs) So sorry to bring that in. Yeah. Yeah. Good rotation. So. Might be my favorite one right now, honestly. But but um, we're going to kind of go over rotation seven. And then after that, um, Sean can go over his rotation seven and eight. And then we'll conclude with just overall rotation experience and kind of give some tips and feedback to everybody. So to start off, um, rotation seven, public specialty pharmacy. That was completely different than I would have thought <laughs> it would have been like. Um, I think it's, for one, it's a call center. So it's not your typical pharmacy setting. You know, maybe if you have some MTM experience, it might be a bit different for you. Then you kind of have some familiarity with a call center type vibe, or if you ever worked in a call center in the past. So it's basically a call center, um, but it also does retail. It doesn't dispense to patients personally, but it does ship medications out to patients um, or to doctors off to doctor offices. Um, So you kind of have that retail component with that, with um, instead of just putting it in a bag and putting in the waiting bin, you're going to be packaging it for it to be shipped by like FedEx or or UPS or something like that. So that's kind of the difference, but you still have that retail component. And then another thing is you're also interacting with insurances. There's going to be prior authorizations. You got to get approved. Um, If you're going to uh, what's it called? Um, I forgot the word, but if you're going to change anything or modify or challenge the PA, um, to go ahead and write a new one. So you're going to be in contact with doctor offices. You're going to be talking to nurses, PAs, you're going to be reaching out to a lot of different met, um, healthcare professionals, which is a great experience to kind of work on your verbiage and, and how to talk to them. And then you'll also be talking to patients a lot. And once they receive the medication, you kind of want to walk them through how to administer it. So you kind of get that ambulatory care component right there. So the way I kind of look at public specialty, or I think specialty pharmacy in general, is that it's the combination of retail and AMCARE. So, and even the hospital setting, because with the hospital setting, you get all the lab values that you need before you can say, hey, yes, we want to dispense this medication. For example, if they're a patient that has um, HIV, if they're a patient that has hepatitis C, hepatitis B, if they're a patient with um, multiple sclerosis, patient with cancer oncology, um, oncology meds, you know, you want to look at certain things. You want to see what their body surface area is. Is this the correct dose for them? Have they tried something before? And kind of go through the process, go through the treatment algorithms by the guidelines um, to see if this patient is appropriate for this medication. And you'll have all the lab values you need. You know, if it's the, if it's their hepatitis C, you know, you're going to look at the the viral load. You're going to see how, what is the number of it? What kind of genotype does the 
does the patient have to see if that medication can treat that genotype? So you're doing a lot of double checking because you'll get prescriptions sent in from the doctor's offices. And so you want to do a lot of double checking to make sure it's the right medication for them. And then um, you're going to be contacting them, basically letting them know that, yep, everything's good. Let the patients know, make sure if they need a prior authorization, you work through with the insurance. So it's a little bit of everything. It's a little bit of retail, a little bit of um, Amcare, and a little bit of like the hospital setting with all those lab values. So I think it's pretty cool with that. And then it's, once again, a call center. You're going to be making a lot of calls. Now, the one thing I would say I didn't like about this rotation, um, and it has nothing to do with uh, the rotation at all, but this was the only rotation I've been on that I was the only student. So that was a bit different for me. Um, all the other rotations, whether they had another UF student, they at least had another student from another school. So that was cool. So it's like, we can kind of talk about experiences or I can learn something from their experiences and stuff like that, or have somebody that, you know, you can kind of work with and learn from and kind of build together. But it's like this one, I was kind of on my own. <laughs> so that might be something where if you looking for camaraderie and to be with other people, um, there wasn't much of that. And also because of COVID, a lot of people were able to work from home. So there was probably maybe like one or two, two to four pharmacists max in the building where they probably have like eight to 10, you know, like on staff or whatever, but only like two or four, two to four would ever be present at one time. So that's just like pharmacists. And then even with the text, the text would alternate between who's, who will be present, who won't. So I was told the office is a lot more lively um they're great characters they're awesome people they're hilarious so you're, you're gonna have some like um some office pranks i got i got pranked pretty pretty well um uh so you'll have some some good pranks in there i'm not gonna say what it is but but, but um uh sean i'll tell you off air but uh yeah so it's like they're fun people but it's just they're not there most of the time and um because of that you don't get as much like interaction with everybody but I'm sure I would have enjoyed that a lot more if um, COVID wasn't happening because then a lot of people would be in, in the building. But that's something, so that's not something to deter you from going there unless, you know, you really want to be with other students. I don't think they have more than one student at a time. Um, and they usually go long periods without a student, but it was a great experience. You get to learn so much about these medications I would have not learned otherwise unless I was like studying for the NAPLEX or something. So I thought that was a great experience. Um, they're great teachers as well. They really do break down things pretty well. And they ask you a lot of questions, which I like. And it's not to make you feel dumb. And you will feel dumb because you don't know anything about specialty meds. <laughs> but they keep asking the same questions. Most likely, I'm assuming there's probably stuff that might be on the NAPLEX or might be on some certification exams or stuff that they feel you should know as a pharmacist that will just help prepare you down the line. So that way, no matter what you do in your own practice, you'll be educated enough on these disease states to make a decision. Um, so that's something that I really did enjoy. Now, as far as like work that we had to do, it was the typical UF requirements. I don't think there was anything extra. So um, like I said, call center. So it's basically like a nine to five um, type of thing. I do believe they are open from like eight to six, but I believe, I'm pretty sure my shift was nine to five. I feel like it was forever ago. <laughs> um, I'm enjoying my vacation a little too much, but nine to five. And 
Um, as soon as you come in, you just you just get to work. And um, beautiful thing about it, you do have lunch. You get thirty minutes, and there's a cafeteria, so you get free lunch, which is always a plus for me because I love food. And it's public, so it's Publix food. So it's public style um, stuff that that you would see whenever you go to the Publix bakery or whatever. Like if they have any sweets, if they have um, like Publix chicken chicken tenders, like they serve that. So they serve Publix products. So that's dope. That, that was pretty cool. So you have some, some good food. Some things were eh, but most of the time the food was good and it's free. So you can't complain. And um, so as far as the work, basically you'll have to do um, like two journal clubs to, or sorry, one journal club, two drug information questions. Um, I had four case presentations. They had to be specialty related. So that was a bit different. Um, I think I got used to it after the second one, just because it's like, we're so used to dealing with patients with um, issues like maybe hypertension, hyperlipidemia, um, asthma, COPD, whatever the case may be, heart failure. So it's, it might be easier to optimize med, like, oh, let me take off this med, or oh, let me switch them to um, a medication that can do two things in one, for example, if they have like COPD. So that becomes a lot easier, but with this, it's specialty and that's like the focus. So you could have a patient which has um, a lot of different issues going on. They could have diabetes, they could have all these things, but that's not the focus. The focus would be whatever autoimmune disease they have. You know, I didn't mention this earlier, but like rheumatoid arthritis, um, psoriasis, those are probably like the most common disease states you'll see. So somebody with RA, uh, rheumatoid arthritis, um, psoriatic arthritis, psoriasis, stuff like that, you know, it's autoimmune disease. So if they have that, they could possibly have something else like diabetes, you know, so other autoimmune diseases. And that's going to be more your focal point. And because you're not super well educated, it's going to be hard to really choose how to differ than maybe what the physician chose to do with these patients. So that's something where, you know, try to find the guidelines and even the guidelines don't really direct you because there hasn't been any active comparator trials between a lot of these drugs. So it's like, you're kind of just looking at the patient and just taking a guess almost um, or educated guess. If you look at maybe the side effects of the drug or look at the, um, at least how well that drug did in its trial, you know, try to use some type of obje objective evidence to kind of base your decision for what medication to start the patient on and stuff like that. So that was a bit different where it's not as straightforward because I feel like with heart failure, hypertension, like COPD, we all kind of know what to do. So it makes it pretty easy. But with this, it's not like, oh, just, you know, according to the gold guidelines or according to the, um, you know, hypertension, ACCHA guidelines or anything like that, like this is what we should do. It's no, <laughs> it's like, you don't necessarily have these guidelines to direct you. Um, so that was a bit challenging, but you get used to it. And it's kind of cool to kind of look into the research on that. So two, like I said, one journal club, um, two drug info questions, four patient, four um, soap notes, and then one final case presentation um, to do. So that was basically it. And then you do have like a quota. Um, training for me took a bit longer because of everything with COVID. Uh, they kind of forgot about me. <laughs> so I didn't really get access to everything until Friday, like the last day of my first week. But I think the training process maybe is like two or three days. And then 
you kind of get to be on your own. So I wasn't able to be on my own until like the second week, just because I had a delayed start of actually being able to use the system. I had to just like shadow the pharmacists um, that were present for the first week. So that kind of sucked too, because I like to be of service. And so it's like, I felt like I wasn't that much helpful my first week and helping them meet their numbers and their quota. But um, other than that, like I said, you will have your own numbers that the preceptor will give you as far as like, hey, you should try to get this many calls done, um, speak to this many patients, speak to this many patients of a different, um, that speak a different language because you have people that speak different languages. So there's the translator line you'll have to call. So just to get like different experiences and oh, make sure you learn. Um, and also like there's steps for the process. So there's so many different disease states. So they kind of have you focus on one at a time. So it's like, for me, I believe it was HIV. I started with like, once I got HIV approved, I can make calls on HIV patients and drugs with HIV. After that, I think it went to like rheumatoid arthritis and, and a lot of the autoimmune disease, psoriasis, um, psoriatic arthritis. And then after that, it became, I think hepatitis C was the next one I got approved for. So they kind of break it down for you. And also I think by selecting your patient cases, if you focus in on those disease states, that kind of helps you educate yourself on these different disease states um, and helps you prepare to kind of meet those checkpoints. It's not like they quiz you with a grade or anything like that. It's just, um, you know, just like picking your brain to make sure you know what drugs to look out for, to make sure you know what points are important that you want to make to the patient when you're speaking to them. Um, Cause you might have a limited opportunity. They might only have five minutes. So to make sure you get the key points out and you know, what are the key points and what are some of the counter meds they should avoid and things like that. They're taking certain medications. Um, and to make sure, you know, if they're, Oh, like I, for example, this happens all the time. It's like, Oh, I took my hepatitis medication. I'm done with it. I only had to do it for um, maybe it was eight weeks or 12 weeks. I already did it. I finished it, but Hey, you need to go for a follow-up with your doctor to make sure after three months, or 12 weeks to make sure that it's the viral load is undetectable. So we can say that you're cured because if not, that means you still need to be treated. So making sure that, you know, they're doing their follow-up and thinking like, Oh, not that I just finished the meds that they're good. So all that stuff. Um, it was a great experience. I enjoyed it. Um, it was definitely one of my favorite rotations, uh, the, re the reason why I said it that way was because my preceptor actually asked me where I ranked it as far as my favorite rotations. And um, I told her fourth and she was like, wait, out of what? And I was like seven. She's like, that's pretty low. <laughs> I was like, I was like, it's not that I didn't enjoy it. It's just, you know, I had a great time with other ones. And it's, it's honestly, I feel like tied for third. Um, and we'll go over that, that ranking later as far as my favorite rotations, but um, it's tied for third, but I gave the other rotation the upper hand because that rotation had Sean. So <laughs> I had to, I had to give the upper hand to that rotation. So, but other than that, just know that it's going to be fun. The people are fun. Um, but once again, at least for me, it was virtual. So I didn't get as much interaction with everybody as I would have liked. And I think, um, so that kind of sucks, but it still worked out. I still was able to meet everybody. They're all super friendly. Um, they're all administrative too. They're, um, they seem like very important people. And, you know, if you're looking to work for Publix, you know, as far as retail or have any aspirations for a specialty, I highly recommend you rank this rotation because the people were awesome. They're intelligent. Um, they're not mean, they don't micromanage you. It's like, Hey, just 
whatever you got to do, just meet these numbers, you know, and um, even if you can't meet these numbers, just try, <laughs> you know, it's, it's not like the end of the world. If you didn't meet your numbers, I, didn't, I don't think I met all my numbers, but it's one of those where it's like, Hey, I tried, but it's like, you know, if, if you have to communicate with patients, it's like, Hey, I called them, but they didn't pick up. So that's not on me. Like you see how many times I've called, but if they don't pick up, that's on them. You know, I could leave a voicemail. I could do all these things, but if they don't answer, they don't answer. So they understand it. They get it. Um, they just, you know, want you to be active while you're there and focused on um, the work you got to do there. But it was cool. It was a cool experience. Um, I'm glad I experienced it because I would have never had anything like this, especially going into an AmCare residency. I think it's beneficial because um, you're starting to see more AmCare involvement with hepatitis C. I feel like with HIV, especially if you work at the VA, those are going to be some some disease states that if you're in ambulatory care that you'll be involved in. So I think that's pretty cool that I got to learn about this before um, being involved in any of this as far as like a PGY1 or a PGY2 experience. So kind of getting that, that exposure now and having that background knowledge, I think will be very beneficial going forward. So super glad I, I have this rotation. Um, and yeah, it's just, uh, you know, you, gotta just gotta work it's one of those where you will be working so it's not one of those where you're be chilling hanging out like you will be working so i want to make sure that's that's known because some of them some rotations you know you work for a little and then you have some fun and you work work a little more but this is one of those where you'll be working the whole time but you'll you'll enjoy the experience for sure um unless you don't like call centers if you don't like call centers then this is not for you if you don't like calling people you don't like being hung up on <laughs> you don't like people not picking up then uh, I don't think you you, sh you would want to do this rotation. But other than that, I enjoyed it. What about you, Sean? How was um, how was your uh, rotation seven? Whoa, I know you're on break right now. It's a little rusty. But normally when someone presents, they get questions. So I know you're a little rusty. <laughs> let me let me readjust. Go ahead, go ahead. About it. <laughs> Question me. We haven't done an episode in a while, Sean. I know it's been a minute, but all right. So you said it was a call center. So yeah. I believe it was like that before COVID as well. Is that the setting or did COVID yeah. change? Okay, perfect. Yeah, that's always been the setting. Um, yeah, because it's actually, I think when I was there, they got licensed in all 50 states, if I'm not mistaken. So they could ship to any any person in any state, I believe, or if not all 50, all 48 states, all um, landlocked 48 states, not landlocked, but yeah. So it's like... Um, so yeah, it's it's always been a call center. And they have multiple, I believe. Throughout the nation, I think they have multiple. But I don't know how I think this might be the only one in Florida, but I'm not positive. Yeah, I'm just curious. So my next question is so for someone who's leaning towards retail, what new like skills do you think this rotation would provide them? If they're already leaning towards like the retail route. Um one, I think it'll expose them to a career that they probably would not have thought of. So a lot of these, actually, I would say all of them. I don't, from the ones that I spoke to about their past, all the, let's say about like eight of the pharmacists, uh, none of them started in specialty. So they either started in retail, they started in um, managed care, they started in am care, they started in a different field, and then they got into specialty. So specialty is like, I kind of look at it as the retiring <laughs> position, 
almost because it's like, you know, you're not directly dealing with people. You're not on your feet all day as far as the retail setting. So it's something like, hey, I'm getting older. I don't feel like being on my feet all day, switching it up. It's something where it's, it's pretty chill. It's pretty calm. You don't work on the weekends. It's just your nine to five, Monday through Friday. Um, I, I shouldn't say for everybody there. I think they do have some stuff to do on Saturdays. Every once, I think they rotate a pharmacist. That's to come in and kind of like prep for the, for the upcoming week. But um, other than that, it's, you know, it's pretty chill. So I think it just exposes you to different things. And the second thing I would say is, it helps to educate you on what to do with patients with these specialty meds. Um, so knowing that it's like, hey, these medications, because there was a couple times where um, I think it was like a new pharmacist, a new hired pharmacist, they weren't aware that the med, like the process of communicating that, hey, this patient, you know, they come into the pharmacy with a HCV medication or HIV medication. I believe it's like, a certain process where they're supposed to inform us at specialty about this um, rather than just having it at their store, you know, to be filled. So it's like to be filled through the special, the public specialty store instead of through their store, you know? So it's like um, learning about that, that could be helpful. And then also understanding um, the treatment methods for these patients. So it's like, like I said earlier, understanding like, Hey, even though you stop treatment or you're coming up for your last four weeks of this medication, be like, Hey, after you finish this, make sure you go get checked for your viral count, your viral load in the next in 12 weeks and three months with your physician. Even though specialty would be calling them, but it might be helpful if maybe they move and you can't get in contact with phone number or their address. So it's like maybe it's also helpful to have that community pharmacist be able to be um, informative and educate the patient on what to do if they're picking up from the store because that is an option or some patients did not want it shipped to their home, they would go to the store and get it picked up at the Publix. So that's something that could be um, very beneficial as well. Uh, did you gain any new perspectives on anything from this rotation? Um, yeah, I learned I'm not as smart as I thought I was. <laughs> um, I definitely learned that. Um, yeah, a lot of drugs I've never heard of. I also learned I don't know how to pronounce like any of those drugs, brand or generic. <laughs> um, but that's, well, that's not on the not black, so you don't have to pronounce it. Yeah, luckily. Um, but when talking to the patient, it kind of makes it rough. <laughs> um, and let me see. So I would say that and also just trying to figure out how, how to word this, but I don't want to say like staying hungry, but it's like to really understand these meds, you have to do this on your own time. It's like, I'm at going back to, to ground level where it's like, all right, I know, I understand hypertension. I know how that works. I know how heart failure works. So if it's a new med, I just have to learn that med or, all right, what, what medication, if, the, if it's a new med that's coming out, what class is it a part of beta blockers? All right. I know how that works. You know, where it's like, I don't know how any of these drugs work. I don't know what receptors they attack, which interleukin receptors, if it's not interleukin, like, is it a TNF alpha? Like, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what these biologics are attacking, what they're impacting. So going back down to a, a ground base level, going over the entire disease state, and um, whether it's YouTube vids I'm watching, the Netflix book going through, and then kind of creating my own little chart and my own little mnemonics to kind of remember, all right, this one, 
is with these receptors. This one is 12 and 23. This one is yada, yada. So it's like understanding um, how many weeks is it? Because I got to counsel the patient on that. You know, I got to counsel on how long they'll be taking this um, medication until, they, until their next dose. So it's like, all right, you have 12 weeks, you'll be on this one or eight weeks and whatnot. So just like going back to like the ground level, you know, and uh, building stuff up little by little to understand what's going on with, with these patients and in these disease states, I would say. Thanks for answering my questions. <laughs> Thanks for asking. So let's, let's hear about your rotation seven. So block seven is my, yeah, my, my fifth rotation. Okay. So this rotation for me was infectious diseases at Orlando Health, their Health Central campus. So let me just uh, sort of start off with saying I picked two of the harder electives you can do. I started in critical mm -hmm. care, and then that, my other elective was infectious disease. So going in, oh, it was pause, pretty pause, 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 real quick. Yes. Public specialty is an elective too, so that is a harder elective too that that you could pick, but it's very informative. Continue. Sorry. Yes, that was a good point. Good, yeah. good addition. So. What were my responsibilities on this rotation? Um, so my day to day, I was there about eight to six, sometimes a little uh, later, just depended. So my rotation was cool because my preceptor gave me the opportunity to actually participate in the ICU rounds in the morning. So that's something I did for the first half of my rotation because I love critical care, but then I sort of took a step back where I wanted to just focus on infectious disease. So what my responsibilities were was throughout the whole entire day, um, I was really responsible for looking up every single um, antibiotic, every single antifungal in the hospital. And then I was actually in charge of looking over all the um, COVID management of patients. So that was something I felt like was really cool. But in regards to the antibiotics, I was really looking at all the um, restricted antibiotic use, all the very broad agents or the agents that have really bad uh, side effects. I also looked at um, all the culture results to see if there was any drug, um, drug bug mismatches where um, susceptibility came back and it ended up being resistant to van vancomycin, but we were still giving vancomycin, things like that. And also looked for de-escalation opportunities as well. So that was more of what I would do throughout the whole entire day. But what I ended up getting the opportunity to do, which for me was the highlight of this rotation, which made it really enjoyable for me because I can do this antimicrobial stewardship workup all day. But at a certain point, being behind a computer, for me, it got kind of repetitive, even though I really enjoyed it. So I got this new task where I was basically in charge of every single HIV patient in the hospital. So I would basically do a workup of all their medications, and make sure that they were um, guideline-directed therapies. I would look at their most recent CD4 count, most recent viral load, and I would do a whole workup. Um, I would see, so a lot of these patients, if their CD4 cells or their T helper cells get to a low enough level, you actually have to start thinking about opportunistic infections, right? That may not um, infect, uh, that, that are like um, bacteria or fungi that are present in everyday life, which don't infect somebody. But if you get your immunity system so compromised with HIV, then you can then be more susceptible. So at certain, you have certain counts where you start thinking of 
ooh, we should prophylactically use this. I want to protect the patient. And then not only that, but then there's also this sort of thought process where a lot of these medications interact with the metabolism of so many other drugs. So even though you can give someone a good HIV regimen, if you give them all these um, protease inhibitors and they're on steroids or on statins or on this, this, and the third, you got to start thinking of everything that's going on. And then there's also this counterpoint of some patients were on hemodialysis. So then you got to start thinking of, I can't give a patient these combination drugs anymore. I got to start breaking them up. And then it's just really crazy how complicated just this one disease state is. So that was something that I really enjoyed because I would go into the patient room and I would ask them like, how long have you been on this? Like, have you had any side effects? Um, Have you had any trouble obtaining this medications? Some patient times affordability was a problem. Some patients, they were afraid to go to the doctor during COVID. And a lot of these HIV medications, if you're not on them consistently, you start getting high viral loads again and your, your disease starts progressing again. So for me, that was really the highlight of the rotation. But some other things that um, sort of the organization of this rotation was, I did have a weekly DI question that I would do. I believe it was every Monday. And then every Thursday, I would do a weekly topic discussion with my preceptor. I had one journal club to do towards the middle of the rotation. I had one patient case at the end of the rotation. And then I did two new in-service projects on basically on um, all the insulins and then on um, heparin infusion in the hospital. Because at the time, it was actually interesting because at the time we actually transitioned from a different system to Epic. So everything was pretty much new. So everyone was learning this new system and a lot of the, I guess like power plans or the standard way they used to do things were changing. So I made a lot of in-services to keep um, a lot of the nursing staff up to date. Um, So the flip side of the coin. So I did enjoy this rotation a lot, but some things I didn't enjoy are things I feel like could be improved. Um, so along with what Jovan talked about, being the only student is pretty difficult. Yeah. It's pretty, it can be lonely at times because you don't have someone on the same ground level as you to relate with. Um, everyone is basically your superior or someone is someone where you're constantly interviewing for, you know, like you don't have someone where you can kind of yeah. relax with and like, you know, yeah. yourself with people, but you're, you're more comfortable with the other students around you, obviously. And they're also going through the same thing as you. So it becomes more. And, and the beauty, the beauty of having other students is that they can cover for you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that is, that is always a big plus, but um, yeah, makes it hard to do that if you don't have somebody. And then the last thing that for me, was pretty hard to adjust to is you're by yourself a lot of the time on this rotation. So besides if you do rounds in the morning, like after rounds, you would basically work up your patients and stuff by yourself. You had your own office, which was nice. And if you saw anything that was super critical, you would basically teams message your preceptor. And regardless of that, you would meet the pharmacy staff like during huddle and things like that. But for the most part, I'd meet up with my preceptor towards the end of the day, like maybe like around like 4.30 or 4 o'clock. And we would go over all the recommendations that I had for every single patient that I saw where it wasn't urgent. And then she would give me really good feedback. So for me, I really enjoyed that like two hours or so window I had with her because I got to see her whole thought process. And we broke down all my patients that I worked up 
and that was rewarding to see and it's where I learned a lot but it's also it was kind of hard to stay motivated or keep going when you're you're by yourself for the majority of the time doing your own patient workup so for me that was a big adjustment period I do feel like this is a good rotation if you are willing to work and learn more about infectious disease because it does combine the um I guess, clinical aspect of working up patients and finding these interventions, but it does bridge a gap well in your patient communication skills. Like it's very difficult to talk to patients in general, let alone about HIV. So I think it does a good job in um, preparing you well. So that is my thoughts on this rotation. All right, let me, let me return the favor and ask you some questions. Um, I saw you, I saw you jot, jotting down some stuff. I'm a bit nervous here. No, 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 no. They're easy. They're easy. Um, and then a couple points I do want to make. So actually I'll, I'll make the points first. So you sound how I kind of feel about public specialty. I don't remember if I was talking to my preceptor or a pharmacist about it, but, um, probably shouldn't have told the pharmacist there, <laughs> but it's like, uh, the fact that this ro that rotation seven was the one that we found out about residency, you know, acceptance, you know, yes. um, the match process. And I don't know about you. This is just an honest thing. And I've talked to other people and they said the same thing. So I know I wasn't alone um, as far as upperclassmen and people in our class. But once you get that acceptance letter, your, your energy motivation goes down a little bit. All right. With not a lot. <laughs> and I feel the public specialty rotation, I thought, I wish I could have had that earlier. I think that would have been a great, like first or second, third or fourth rotation. Cause it's, you're working a lot, but you're really, I'm, I'm also glad it is late cause it's closer to the NAPLEX. So this stuff is still fresh in my memory, but I kind of wish I had it earlier because I think having it earlier with, without having to worry about the match process and other other things like interviews and have to make up hours and I'm staying late. And it's like, it's hard for me to be as energetic as I was than when you're first starting rotations. Like I was just super excited to be out of the classroom and like all over the place trying to do everything. Like I would stay late on purpose just to pick people's brains. But it's like on this rotation, it's like I came in and I was out. <laughs> like when it was time to go, I was out of there. But, um, you know, I kind of wish, cause I think this would have been a great rotation because like I said before it's like you have a lot of big name people I mean I I know I wasn't going to Publix route who knows maybe I end up in specialty one day but you know for those that are looking for that job position I feel like rotations are a job interview and um having that added motivation because you're going to meet a lot of big name pharmacists in this field it's a lot of the administrative people um in at public specialty so you're going to meet a lot of big names there um, and that's something where I think it, it would help, it would have helped me. And I think it would probably help people in the future to kind of have it as a earlier rotation, but not a rotation during residency or fellowship interviews. Cause you do have to make up, um, that time. And since there is a limited time between like eight to six that it's open, um, it's going to be kind of hard to make up that time. So that's something that you do need to be mindful of. Luckily I only had to miss one day for an interview. So I was able to just do it an extra hour to make that up um, like the following weeks. But if you're going to miss multiple interviews, it's like, how are you really going to make that up? Like the, the place closes, you know, so there's nothing you can do about that. So that's something that 
you you should keep like in the back of your mind about ranking this rotation. Um, and then I also did something. I don't believe this is like a mandatory thing. It just happened to be when I was there. Uh, one of the pharmacists politely asked me to kind of create an in-service. So I did do that as well, but I don't believe that's, um, that's a mandatory thing. I think it's like a every season because they needed it for March, I believe, or by the end of March. So I think it's like every couple of months they do like a new drug alert. So kind of just like talk about a new drug and stuff like that. So I had to do that, but that's not every student does that. Um, so I just want to make sure I mention that. So a couple questions for you. One, since I know you've had experience with, with me um, at Advent Health with Cerner, how was it working with Epic? Uh, it was pretty epic. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> oh, I gotta edit that out. That wasn't a good one. But um, <laughs> no, I liked it. I liked it. But I'm corny. No, more seriously, I I liked it. So it's interesting because I started with Cerner. What's that? Sir? They're switching to Epic, so I I need to know what I'm going into. It's interesting because I got so used to Cerner because I used it on my ICU rotation. I used it on even my hippie before that. I used it at a celebration when I was with you. So pretty much yeah. besides going to um, uh, HCA um, in Sanford for one rotation where they had, um, I believe it was a different service like Meditech or something. But it was interesting because I went to Epic and I liked it, but then now I'm back in Advent. So I'm back to the Cerner. So now mm -hmm. I have like, like a before and after feeling. Yeah. And I think I really like it. It was really helpful. You like it more? Yeah. It's very programmable. Like every single tab that you have, like it learns basically like what tabs you're in the most and it will start ordering them by your preference basically. Mm. And then not only that, but you can edit like what you want to show. And then it's, 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 I kind of, I kind of think of it like, um, it's kind of like, like an iPhone. Like it's just very like simple, like, like simplicity is like, like is there strong suit? Like it looks very simple, easy to find thing, easy to use. Um, it's very intuitive. It's, I like it a lot. Does take a while to, like it's kind of frustrating at first because you're like, man, all this information, I knew where it was. And then now it's like a relearning process. Yeah, that's but, right. Okay. Yeah, it was definitely easier to use. Um, it's like I was saying, it's very programmable, whether it's your, you make like your own profile, like you can look at, like if you're looking floor by floor, you can actually pick what you want the columns to be. So you can have them like have patients, like certain lab values, certain disease states, certain like, um, like critical parameters, like this patient's more critical. I should um, do this round, like this first my round, stuff like yeah. that. So it's just a lot of customizable stuff. And there's a lot of good reports you can do to pull data. That's very customizable too. So I think it'll be good. I think it'll be a lot more user-friendly. So we'll see. All right. So Evan Health, Sean approves. Uh <laughs> Sean gave it two thumbs up. So thank you, Evan Health, for, for switch, switching to, to Epic. I'm excited for it. Um, I've heard great things about it. I just, you know, um, I didn't know anybody specifically that has used Cerner in Epic. So since you had that experience, I think that's pretty cool. And I just want to say I have no conflicts of interest. <laughs> yeah, we're not trying to sell anything or promote anything. Uh, but all right, so I might have to reach out to you if I don't know how to do something. So just be on the lookout while you're busy saving lives at the VA. Um, <laughs> you know, just be, be on the lookout for a text. Hopefully I remember. 
<laughs> yeah, hopefully. Wait, are they not? They're not epic. I think they have something else. I'm not entirely sure. All right, and then I heard it something different though, but I'm not sure what the name's called. Okay, and then as far as the HIV patients that you were covering, were they relatively healthy? Man, that was honestly the hardest part. I mean, I've had people that were relatively healthy where they were like 60 years old. They've had HIV for like 30 years. They've been through all the old medications, now the newer ones, suppressed viral loads, undetectable, like normalized CD4 counts. And then I've had people where they're younger than me, um, HIV, CD4 counts lower than 10 and end stage renal disease, like just all packed in once. And like your heart goes out to these people. And at that point, it's like, it doesn't matter whether they're like super healthy person or the person who's on the other end of the spectrum, not doing well. It's like, I was just trying to just like, make sure I can get them on the right drugs and just, you know, like just do all you can like interventionally. But yeah, it's definitely, you see the whole, both sides of the spectrum and really opens your eyes to like the, a lot of barriers there are, you know, in health literacy and socioeconomic status like there's a lot of barriers out there you know Mm -hmm. definitely open my eyes to that definitely and that's interesting because and this could probably just be the people that could afford through their insurance to do business with public specialty but like the reason why i asked was because a lot of the patients that had hiv were the healthiest like that was like their only medication they had so um of course, hospital settings are different, but that's why I wanted to know because they were probably the healthiest out of all of our patients. Yeah, I think there may be a slight, I guess, um, like bias in like your your patient sample because yeah, that sounded really um. Sorry, I just did it to the journal club, so sorry for the verbiage there, but <laughs> but um, because I feel like mine had a lot of like so some of my patients were patients who were uninsured and they had to go through like health clinics to get free medication to get free doctor's appointment. And that right there is a barrier to their health, you know? So maybe the ones going through your service were, like you said, like highly insured. Yeah. Maybe they had their insurance would have course. to improve public specialty in order to get their meds from us. Yeah. Okay. Well, from them, I keep saying us like I work there <laughs> from them, from them. Um, okay. Just wondering. And then, I'm kind of jealous because that's the one thing I feel was missed. I missed out on, on my rotation was my rotation experience is a great antibiotics, antimicrobial stewardship experience. So how much would you say you've learned? If you could give me a scale on like one, like zero to a hundred, how much would you say you've improved um, from this experience learning about antibiotics? Or infectious disease in general? It's like eight and a half. I feel like it's a subject where like it's very um, relative because you can have a great recommendation and someone's like, well, this person's been on a ventilator like their whole life. It's how you know it's infectious. How you know that it's not a colonizer. Like there's like so much yeah. like clinical expertise, especially when it comes to like abdominal infections and stuff where mm-hmm. I'm not an expert yet, but I definitely feel like I was like eight and a half or so. Like I learned so much, but there's definitely that little little bit left to the grow. Yeah, because it's like with, with something like that, I wonder, it's the same thing with crit care. I know your experience is different because you got multiple, but with crit care, all that stuff went over my head. Like mm-hmm. 
a lot of it just went over my head. Maybe if I had more experience with it, it went over my head. But what helped is, as you know, because you're at Celebration, was the topic discussions to really break it down. If I didn't have that, all of that stuff would still be over my head. And it's like, that's why I wonder, because it's so much going in with infectious disease on, on proper treatments, what to be mindful of, what to look out for. So it's like, which, like, how, how helpful was it? Was it actually helpful where you actually learn things and you'll be able to treat patients? Or is it one of those, you were there, you did what you had to do, then you had to, you know, you just left. Because it's like, some places you're not going to get taught, you know? But it's like at certain sites, you do get taught. So that's why I was kind of wondering how much you felt like you improved, whether it's on your own, like just working or through your preceptor. Uh, I feel like it was a mixture of both. Like you become more comfortable of catching things like off the bat. Like you become very comfortable with like days of duration, for example, of therapy. Okay. Um, like just simple things. Like you'll see someone for like cap getting treated for five days in the hospital like in the hospital and they're like, all right, let's discharge this patient for another five days. And I'm like, Ooh, why? Or you just, you just like, I feel like you become very comfortable with the drugs. You become very comfortable with what they treat. You become very comfortable with, um, like I said, days of therapy. You also become very comfortable with like renal, like dose adjustments as well. That's something that I struggled with, but then over time you, you kind of like refer to like LexiComp less as well. There's, there's definitely a lot of things where you become more familiar with or what to look at. Like, you know, like, um, like de-escalation, like, all right, this many days, this disease state, or even like, all right, what's their, what's their procalcitonin level, you know, like yeah. what's really going on? How do I read this x-ray? How are they describing this pneumonia? Is it actually pneumonia? Like what's going on mm-hmm. versus is this patient having, um, just COVID, a viral pneumonia versus COVID with a superimposed bacterial infection. Why is this patient on um, ro- um, rocephin and azithromycin while they have COVID when I'm like, can I order a procalcitonin? Does this person actually have, that's a marker for like a, like a bacterial infection. It's like, do they actually have bacteria that's causing infection or are we just over-treating this patient? So you just kind of get a lot of rationales, like kind of either by learning and getting feedback or listening to what someone else's um, workup is on a patient. So it helped. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's cool. Sorry for that long response, but yeah. No, 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 no. It was good. It was good. And I think that's important for, for people that are interested in ID that want an antimicrobial type stewardship experience. Like, Hey, this is it. If you want to know if ID is for you, sounds like this rotation will let you know if that's the career you want. Yeah, it's definitely really hard. You're going to get work. Um, yeah, definitely, 10 hours. Yeah, 10 definitely. Hours. I did not get the most sleep on that. Rotation. <laughs> but, I mean, I enjoy it. Like I, I like learning. So if that's your mindset and you're willing to put in the work and you want a harder elective, then go for it. So, yeah. Definitely. Definitely. All right. And then that was it for my question. So tell me about your current rotation, Amcare, Advent Health East. How is it? These podcast listeners are getting a two for one special today. All right. So I'm currently uh, doing, what's that? <laughs> We're giving them a discount today. Exactly. Um, so I'm doing ambulatory care at Advent Health East Orlando. So it's actually very interesting because before I actually got into pharmacy school, when it was my last year of undergrad, 
I used to volunteer at Advent Health East. Well, back then I was Florida Hospital. But, and I actually shadowed this clinic for a day. I don't know if they remember me, but it was interesting because that was before COVID. And then now I'm experiencing AmCare post-COVID. Yeah. So COVID has kind of impacted how AmCare runs here. And I'm sure in a lot of other places as well. So the big staple for this um, clinic is they do warfarin or Coumadin, Coumadin clinic, where you have normally you would have patients come into clinic. Um, it'd be like an appointment type base, and you would interview them, you would finger stick them, get their INR to see how thick or thin their blood is, and then make your intervention there with the patient. Because it is COVID times and it's drastically changed healthcare as we know it, we actually have patients um, drive up. And then there's like a little um, like roundabout right there. It's right by the clinic. So it's not too much of a walk, but it's literally right there. But we'll finger stick them there, get the blood, get our reading. And then we'll actually do the interview and interventions through the phone. So for me, I miss that whole um, in-person part of talking to someone. I feel like it's more, I don't know, more enjoyable, more friendly, easier to like easier to interact with someone. So I definitely miss that face-to-face. So I feel like I, that's something I wish I could change about this rotation, but um, it's out of my control. Yeah. Yeah. But um, so it's interesting because you get to do a lot of other like management for their warfarin. So a lot of patients were going to have surgeries. So you'd have to bridge them, things like that, where you learn about in school, but this is actually, you're filling out the paper of, Hey, you need to start low knocks here. You need to s- stop this th- here and doing all these different interventions with a real patient so that's something super cool so clinic is two days a week on tuesday thursday and then we do something in between and on other days which was transitions of care where we would basically get consults from doctors or patients that got discharged for many multiple disease states a lot of times for asthma exacerbations um, uncontrolled copd could be patients who just had a heart attack and underwent a percoronary intervention and got stented, yeah, PCI, um, coronary artery um, bypass graft, um, things like that, and just really just calling them, um, making sure they're on the medications, educating on the medications, um, educating them on disease states. And for me, I think this has been my favorite part of it. You find a lot of things where maybe a patient never picked up the medication. Maybe a patient couldn't afford the medication maybe they didn't think the medication was important. You know, no one told this patient like, Hey, uh, this, some people say it's like, Hey, this medication thins your blood. They don't say like, yes, you're at risk for bleeding, but you're at a higher risk of clotting and coming back in here for this heart attack, you know? So just, I feel like for me, that's been the best part of silver lining of this rotation. There's, also um something and then you also sorry and you also fax your findings and recommendations um from that call to their doctor so that's something super cool as well so you feel like you actually make a good intervention and hopefully that goes down the line and you can impact their care um you also do pre-surgical workups for patients so this is something i will be doing next week so i don't have too much experience but the thought and methodology behind it is patients that are about to have a surgery, you basically help the providers and um, like the pre-surgical component of doing a med rec and ensuring that any medication that needs to be held or make or also ensure that their medication list is up to date. 
Um, on this rotation, we also have a topic of the week where it's a lot of ambulatory um, care type states like diabetes, hypertension, heart failure, things like that. We will have a topic of the week where you'll also have like a patient case workup to do, and then you have a quiz as well. They also require you to do one journal club, one patient case, and two DI questions as well. And it's been pretty interesting. I do wish it had that in-person component to it because I feel like that's what really sets ambulatory care apart is it bridges that gap where you do use some clinical knowledge, but then you also have that patients coming in every couple weeks aspect of well, where you can build a relationship with your patients, um, such as like if you can retail, you have the opportunity as well. So, mm-hmm. but it's been a good experience. I know it's uh, your favorite uh, setting. So I'm interested in the questions yeah. you have for me. Well, my first question I wanted to ask was, is, cause you said Kuhn and clinic was two days a week. Is that just for you or they only do it on two days a week? So there are two days where Tuesdays, mornings, Thursday afternoons, where we try to do all the patients. So I will say that's probably like 90% of the patients, but then patients who have circumstances where like their INR is super high or super low, or they're on a, mm-hmm. like fluconazole or medication that interferes and we want to bring them back sooner, or if their schedule doesn't permit the normal days, we will still see them the other days. It's just the other days are predominantly um, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So I was wondering, that's a bit different than celebration where I did my AM care. Um, we had it four days a week. If I remember correctly, I think it's on Wednesdays. It's either Wednesday or Thursday. There's no community clinic, but it's like, I would only do it two days a week. So that's why I wanted to ask. And then as far as transitions of care, I'm glad you liked that. Cause that was my favorite part too, with the AM care experience. Um, it really feels impactful. I know you said over the phone, for us, we're actually able to see people in, in person. So, really? yeah, I'm assuming you guys weren't able to? No. Yeah, I think there was a Phone or virtually? Uh, phone. Interesting. Because for us, if we, I wonder, I wonder what the difference is. Because for us, we couldn't call them. It had to be either a virtual thing, because we have multiple times where it's like we try to call them and some of these older patients are just not technology savvy. And they didn't know how to pull it up on their phone or computer or whatever, because we had to see them. It had to be a virtual experience or they had to be in person. We couldn't call them over the phone for transitions of care. But we could do MTM, which was done over the phone as well. That was another part of our clinic. Did you have MTM opportunities at all at East or where you at right now? Uh, Like through Outcomes MTM. What's that? Like through Outcomes MTM. No, not really, no. Okay, okay. No. Well, we kind of like, also like transition to care, but it's kind of like, it's basically like it's very like combining of like med rec, it's like also a little bit of MTM style to it. It's kind mm-hmm. of, I say transition to care, that's what we call it, but it's, I'd say it's like a hybrid, like what we actually do. Because we, I would have a day of MTM through Outcomes MTM. I know Publix uses that service. I don't know if CVS or Walgreens or other, um, pharmacies use that, but outcomes MTM where we would actually do um, the medication therapy management that way, but which would only be via phone. And then the other way would be through transitions of care where it's similar, but you're doing the stuff in person and then you write up a note for the, for the physician to see or 
whoever's supposed to receive it. I didn't have to write up the note. That was more the resident or the pharmacist. I just had to be involved as far as the um, recommendation process and like interviewing the patient and counseling them on how to take insulin if they're going to be started on a diabetic medication or switching to a different one, um, how to take the insulin or how to take um, their like Trulicity, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, so that I definitely like as a bear, like, especially if you want to show someone like, hey, like you're talking about, this is how you use your inhaler. Yes. This is how you use your insulin. Um, here's, yeah. We do, so what we're doing is we have a bunch of like um, handouts that educate patients on how to use things, like what you're talking about. We also have handouts on proper diet, like fluid restriction and like heart failure, um, like a bunch of different stuff like that, that we actually get the patient's email and we email them as well. But okay. I wouldn't have been in person because then I could have just been like, hey, just bring all your bottles. Let's see what yeah. you actually and, like, and That would be really helpful. Yeah, that's super helpful because that's what we do. We ask them to bring in every bottle they have and we kind of just walk through it and kind of ask like, oh, you know, with this medication, what time of day do you take if it's a PPI? Or um, I remember there was, there was one patient, um, the... I think they were on liver thyroxine and they were taking it like with breakfast, <laughs> so, but it's fine though, because like we didn't make a recommendation to change because they've been controlled. So it's like, Hey, you've been controlled, but it's just like, we saw this medication. It's like, Oh, like, when do you take it? Do you take it before breakfast? Like, no, I, t- I take it with my food or after, like, am I supposed to? And it's like, yeah, but don't switch now. Cause it, it works. You know, like her, the patient's level, level like, will be higher. If you <laughs> yeah, exactly. So then, so it's like, it's fine, keep doing what you're doing, but that's not the right way to do it. Um, but that's, or it's like, if you want, you can ask your physician if you should switch, but they'll probably just keep you at this just because of that. So, um, but it's nice to be able to have it physically to see. Sometimes there's duplicate medications. Maybe there's two statins you see, and it's like, you did stop taking this one, right? Is it fine if we throw it away for you so you don't get confused? You know, certain things like that. So it's nice to have everything in person and, and kind of go through it. Um, and also to see how much is in it, because it's like, oh, it doesn't look like you were taking <laughs> as far as I hear it. And it's like, this is a three months worth, but you have this from uh, seven months ago. What's going on? Yeah, like, uh, what's going on here? Um, this looks a little too full. But um, yeah, and it's it's tough. It's also tough to really connect, I think, with the patient. So that's why I was glad they were they were in person as far as transitions of care. It, we have the same thing with the Kumanin we call. Then we go outside and we prick them and we do all that. The community clinic part's the same. We just had it more days than than East, but um, okay. And then pre-surgery, at least when I was there, students weren't involved with that. I don't know if students became involved with that. That was just the residents and the pharmacists were doing pre-surgical calls, but um, it seemed pretty straightforward. It was just like meds that they should hold or meds that they can still take, just making sure they know before their surgery and when they should continue after their surgery. And also just having, making sure they have your number, if they have any questions that arise and stuff like that. So that way they're not hounding the doctor's office and they're hounding us <laughs> instead. Um, but yeah, so it sounds pretty similar, pretty similar, not much of a difference. Um, the only thing I would say, I think at, cel- at Celebration we had, because you said you don't actually have topic discussions. We We had topic discussions, but they were, I had to do one topic discussion presentation but the rest was informal. So um, you could go ahead and tune in. I think that was rotation two for me. So I think that was our first rotation recap because you had the first block off, right, Sean? Yep, man, I wish I had this one off. 
Yeah, yeah. So you can go ahead and tune into that one if you want to hear about my experience and stuff like that. Um, but I just wanted to note some quick differences between the two. But um, overall, you know, we did it. Uh, well, I did it. <laughs> You're, you almost did it. You're going to do it. Um, so I know we kind of talked about how COVID impacted your rotation seven, how it impacted earlier your rotations in general, because you, you've been switching. You kind of said that on previous episodes. But overall, how did you think, you know, this year has gone for you dealing with COVID, um, all the circumstances, the match process, podcast work, everything. Like, how do you think this year has gone for you? Um, I think it's, I think in general, I just want to say I am blessed and I am grateful that we were able to graduate on time. Yes. That was something I was freaking out upon. Because when they canceled everyone's first rotation and made us do the online one, yeah. then my second rotation got canceled. So I had to have vacation. I was of the mindset of, because basically if one more of my rotations got canceled, I, and I didn't, like, there wasn't a replacement for me, I would have had to probably delay graduation. Like I would have to do six more weeks after everybody else, yeah. you know? So that was something I was worried about, but I am blessed um, that we were all able to graduate on time. Um, it has impacted me where on my hippie, one of the um, pharmacists I really enjoyed learning under in critical care, I made sure I picked his block and I got it, but then that whole block got canceled. But luckily I did end up in a rotation somewhere else with another great critical care preceptor who was amazing. So that ended up working out, but I think it definitely opened the door to a lot of craziness. Um, definitely been pretty interesting because my first rotation was critical care back when everyone was learning um, which drugs could be working. Like everyone's trying to catch up on all this new literature, on all these new yeah, or new drug or, or drugs that are being using, being used for this new indication. Do they help? And that was super interesting. So I felt like that made me more, I don't know, inclined to learn a lot, but it's, it's definitely added to a lot of the stress that um, rotations are for sure. Yeah, I wonder how taxing rotations would have been without COVID. You know, definitely a little bit of an added stress component, um, making things a bit more challenging, I think, for some of us because preceptors were off site. So you're doing a lot of, you have to be self motivated. We have to push ourselves to get the job done. Nobody is there to watch us, and you got to do a lot of self learning. So I think that might've made it difficult if you're not good at that. That could have been a bit of a challenge. And then, um, yeah, definitely with the experiences, I know I was looking forward to traveling because I had the first block off, but then COVID happened and, and everything. So um, I, some people are like, oh, travel this block. But it's like, I'm trying to study now for Netflix so I could take it early um, because my residency kind of starts a bit early than other places. So may not be able to travel like I wanted to. And even if I could, I might get trapped <laughs> in whatever country I'm in. They might not let me back. So I can't even travel if I wanted to. So it's just, it's, it's interesting. It's with um, this disease day, I think it was definitely eye-opening to how important we were. We are as pharmacists seeing how much we impact in the critical care environment. Um, I was able to experience that at Avon Health. Um, during my second rotation there, my um, general med, I was with some critical care pharmacists. So definitely seeing 
you know, people impacted by COVID made me have a different perspective, I think, than a lot of the general population. Um, I have a lot of empathy for family members and, and friends that were going through it that lost people to it. Um, you know, it's, it's a different perspective when you're on that side of things, actually seeing what's going on. But not to get dark, not to get dark. Um, let's, let's, let's lighten things up. So we were basically done. Um, so what would you say is your favorite rotation or was your favorite rotation? My favorite rotation, um, I mean, I've said it since day one of rotation recap. I thought it was my favorite one. Um, my first rotation is my favorite one. Not the block I had off, but but the uh, my ICU rotation, my critical care rotation at um, Advent Health Apopka, for sure. I would say for me, the Advent Health um, celebrations and care. I think that was... That was the most fun. Um, I really enjoyed the whole team, the whole staff. Everybody was great. It was fun to learn there. Um, it's always nice to have co-resies. I love Natty or co-resies, co co-resies, co-students, um, co-rotation students. And then I love the residents there. I love Natty. Um, that's like my big sis. So it was just like a great experience to be around all of those people. And yeah, it was just fun. The patients were really cool too. They were really fun and lively, friendly, um, and honest. You know, some of them shared some some touching stories about their personal lives and everything. So it was it was nice to be in that environment. You know, so I really enjoyed everything about it. the The transition to care component, um, the Kunin management. We also have a diabetes clinic, but that's more for the for the residents. But um, being able to shadow a little bit in the diabetes clinic and stuff like that. So it was a lot of different opportunities and they didn't work me too hard. <laughs> so that always feels good. You know, um, it's just like, hey, you have these patients, get them done by the end of the day. So that's always a good thing. And um, yeah, it was cool. So I would say that one was a lot of fun. I know I mentioned earlier about my, my favorite rotation. So I'm just, I was thinking about this. I'm going to go. I'm going to go ahead and list it. And this is not to deal with any of the preceptors or the people. It's just the rotation itself. So one, definitely celebration. Two, I'm going to go gen med. Three, I'm going to go um, hospital practice just because I have Sean with me. Otherwise, yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, it'd be, it would be uh, um, public specialty. I feel like they're very, they're neck and neck. Then next, I would have to say probably geriatrics. And then last, community. And none, none of them were bad. Um, I think geriatrics would have been higher if I was able to go to the um, different assisted living facilities, but because I didn't have that experience um, and it was like completely virtual, that was like a bit different for me. So I think I, I would have enjoyed that more if I was actually able to be there and see the patients and talk to them and, and, and do some stuff there and meet the physicians and et cetera, et cetera. So I think that would have been a lot more enjoyable for me. Um, otherwise, I, uh, but because I didn't, you know, I, I ranked it a bit lower, but overall, I'm super happy with my rotations. Um, just some advice that I would like to give everybody. If there's ever a block you want to have off, if it's not the last one, you want it to be the one that's going to be during residency interviews, because that will make your life a lot easier. So I think, um, Sean, would you say you had most of yours in February or March? 
February? I think I had February. When did when did block when did the next block start, right? Because I think we started in January to February, and then I think it was February to March, because March twenty-sixth was the last day of block seven. Okay. Cause I had I wanna say I didn't have any in March because March was late, right? Yeah, March was like the last interview I had was towards the end of February. I had all of mine in February, but I also had all mine were in February, but it was mixed between the two rotations. So Mm -hmm. it's hard for me to remember the month, but yeah. So yeah, because that's that's block um, six and seven. So yeah, everybody listening, doesn't matter what school you go to, if you can't try to get those blocks off, so that way you have time to prepare, recover, because it is it does get draining doing the interviews mid mid to end February or the last block so you can study for boards I will say I'm not sure if you're from another school because UF gave us basically all of December off to do applications if your school is not doing that for you I don't think I would have personally survived if I didn't have December off on applications for residency so Mm -hmm. if that's something your school doesn't do I would say maybe take that time off, but I assume they would give you some for the holidays, for holidays. but I'm not sure if they would give you like, yeah. like we did. But yeah. And that's, that's something, that's a good point. And we're still going to do our residency recap episode. So that's something that I, I would like to say early. I'll say it now and I'll say it then is if you know places you want to apply to already, I've talking to third year students, a lot of them know where they want to apply already. Why not go ahead and start writing the letter of intent? Cause that's the thing that's going to take the most time. So might as well just go ahead and start writing a draft and start producing it and start getting it edited and looked at. Like, why wait if you know you want to apply to these things, if you know you want to do um, a pediatrics rotation, or if you know you want to work, if you want to do the VA, if you're going to apply there, you're going to apply there, you know? So it's like, might as well get started on that. So that's something that you could even kind of get started on early if you can, Um, whatever block you have, if it's before, definitely try to think about doing that. But yeah, I completely agree. If, if you don't have much time in December, that could also help with the application process. So like December-ish, uh, February time off or the last one to help you prepare for the boards because the sooner you can take the exams and pass them, especially if you're going to community, the sooner you have a job, the sooner you could work, the sooner you start making money. You know, you can start, if you have loans to pay off, you know, start paying that off quicker or if not that, just, you know, why not have some money in your pocket? So I think that's, those would be like my one tidbit as far as ranking your rotations. And then overall, just keep in mind that as hard as it is, every day is a job interview day. So no matter how cool the pharmacist might be, no matter how relaxed, like always remember that this is a job interview. And um, I don't know this for a fact I didn't ask, but I think it would make sense that if I was there for my block you know I spent a lot of time at Avent House Celebration that probably weighed into the factor of them during the ranking process as me as a residency candidate so you know they have firsthand experience with me they understand how I act um, how I think about things how I work my work ethic and all that so it's important to make sure and to look at each rotation as a job interview so if there's a field you're interested in try to get some exposure to it if you're at a hospital and you don't have a rotation in transplant, but you're interested in transplant, ask if you can shadow a transplant pharmacist. Just 
gain that experience. Um, we got to go everywhere when we were at celebration. Like we just asked and they just let you experience anything, you know, I don't, you know, you, you got to experience like the ED, right? Like you got to do some, some different yeah, things. I loved it, man. I got to do, I think it was like a three to 11 and it Shit. was awesome. And I got to play golf in the morning too before. It was, it was awesome. <laughs> I love that yeah. shift, man. I may have to retire on that shift. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love that second shift. That's my one problem with Amcare is the early shift. I would love like a two thirty, three to 11. That's me all day. Conversation for another day though. Um, but yeah, that's like something that I would definitely say, definitely recommend to everybody is to think of all of this every day as a job interview. So try to put your best foot forward um and that's it that's like that's it and if you're having a tough time like reach out to your co co students um co rotational students i know sean and i reach out to each other early <laughs> into rotation it's like hey are you dying because <laughs> i'm dying so it's like you know just reaching out to each other kind of venting and, and talking to your friends checking out on them that's always important and sometimes just venting and, and talking to someone that understands what you're going through will help you with your experience and um, help you go ahead and put your put leave all that behind you and put your best foot forward for the next day. Um, any any last remarks you have for everybody, Sean? No, I just feel pretty excited to eventually record this all-encompassing residency process tips because we we're getting carried away on everything we learned. So yeah. I think we'll have some gems for our audience. So I'm a excited. lot of gems, a lot of gems, and um, hopefully they they pay attention to it. I, we're still undecided, but we're definitely going to record it soon. We may not release it until later in 2021. Right now, this is April. We may not release it until maybe, what, August, September, October, when people are starting to think about residencies. But um, we're definitely going to record it now while still fresh in our memory, like our experiences and, and what advice we were given and what advice we would, we would do different and, and different things to incorporate. But with all that being said, um, this kind of went longer than we planned. So maybe we'll split this one up into two episodes. But anybody listening, if you want to know more about any of our rotation experiences, they're all on the podcast. You can go there and listen to it. If you don't feel like listening to everything, just reach out to us. All right. You could just message me. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on, I'm on everything. LinkedIn, Instagram, uh, Facebook, everywhere. You can find Sean on Instagram, Facebook. Everything's on our link tree on Instagram on our Facebook page, the Capsule Production Facebook page, on um, at, at Capsule Production for IG. So, you know, just reach out to us if you have any questions. I've had a couple third-year students already do that. And, you know, you can reach out and ask us about, excuse me, ask us about, like, how do we go about preparing a topic discussion in journal club, different things. Um, you know, if you just need some reassurance or some feedback, like, definitely feel free to reach out to us. We love networking. We love helping in any way we can. Um, and you don't have to be a UF student. You could be from anywhere. It doesn't matter. So definitely feel free to reach out to us. Uh, just shoot us a message and we'll try to help you in any way possible. Um, with that being said, um, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Um, we've been super appreciative so far of how much this podcast has grown this year as far as the fan base and all the feedback that we've been getting. Um, a lot of great positive feedback. So we're happy to hear that. You guys are enjoying it, especially the rotation recap episodes. So um, if anybody's listening to it, even if it's later on, if it's, you know, if you're a second year student right now and you're listening to this, uh, a 2PD a or a P2 listening to this, that's okay. So reach out to us in a couple of years. 
you know, or in a year and we can still kind of educate you on what's going on. So don't be shy. Feel free to reach out to us. Thank you again for all the support, for tuning in to listening and supporting us. We greatly appreciate it. Everybody from the capsule production team. And with that, um, we wish you all the best of luck with your rotation experiences. (laughs) Sean's chucking up the deuce. (laughs) It's time for us to log off. Um, but thank you guys for everything. Um, it's, it's been an incredible year. Uh, we might have a couple more episodes. We don't know. <laughs> we have no idea what, how many more episodes will go. But um, just thank you, thank you, thank you. We can't express that uh, enough and say that enough. So thank you for everything. We appreciate it. And um, you, you'll hear from us soon. We don't know when, but you'll hear from us soon. Thank you. <laughs>